Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. Well, sometime back in 1929, the Roaring Twenties was in full swing. People were happy. The economy was booming, and despite, you know, the risks of speculating on the stock market, people thought the stock market would continue to grow because the Dow Jones over the last six years had grown fivefold. But then came Black Thursday, and the stock market crashed, and the economy collapsed overnight, and uh, wealth was replaced by survival. People had to shed their positions, and the dreams of the 20s were replaced with the Great Depression. And America entered the 12 years of what is famously known as the Great Depression, where dreams were shattered and people were in survival. I don't know if you realize it, but life can often be like this. Everything's going well, and then suddenly, like 2020, COVID strikes, our dreams are shattered, and we go into survival mode. Maybe you can relate to this today. You had a dream before 2020, a dream of a happy marriage, a dream of opening a business, a dream of finding a partner, a dream of traveling, a dream of buying your own house, your own car, whatever it might be. And then suddenly you're in survival mode. And you know, as life goes on sometimes, even just in the normality of life, we can often through the duty and obligation and responsibilities of life, lose our dreams. But I'm here to tell you today again, that it's time to dream again. And so part two today of Dream Again, I wanna share with you how God is calling us to dream again. I don't know if you remember, but some years ago, I spoke from one of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books by Jack Canfield. And he told the story in the book of a young boy called Monty Roberts in the United States. And Monty Roberts was asked to write an essay for his teacher. I want you to paint a picture of the future. I want you to write an essay. And so his father was a horse trainer and they'd always wanted to buy their own ranch. So Monty Roberts wrote this essay about how in the future he had this dream that they would buy this ranch that his dad uh, would do horse training he would do horse training they would own it it would be a huge ranch and uh, he completed the essay handed in he got an f he went to speak to the teacher and the teacher said to him now this is completely unrealistic it's way beyond your capacity it's way beyond your means you have to redo the essay well he walked away dejected but then he turned around and went back and this is what he said to the teacher He said to the teacher, you can keep the paper and I will keep my dream. And he walked out of the classroom. Well, fast forward today, that young man, Monty Roberts, owns a ranch, 200 acres, and they do horse training because he held onto his dream and didn't allow anyone to shrink his dream, even though it seemed overambitious at the time. You know, God's calling us to be dreamers today, to mix with dreamers and to hold on to our dreams and to begin to dream again because the future is always better than the past and it's certainly going to be better than the present. Wilfred Peterson said this. He said, walk with the dreamers, the believers, the courageous, the cheerful, the planners, the doers, the successful people with their heads in the clouds and their feet on the ground. It almost seems impossible, but you've got to mix with people who dream like you dream 
Otherwise, your dreams can easily be shrunk down to normal size. And we've got to dream again, and we've got to be open to what God wants to put on our hearts. Orison Sweat Marden, the motivational author and leader, said this. He said, all men who have achieved great things have been great dreamers. You see, you can't achieve great things unless you have a great dream and you mix with dreamers and it's time for you to change your posture, change your mind and begin to dream again. And we've got to focus on God's promises. We've got to begin to see with the eye of the spirit and we've got to go back to the word of God and begin to see what God has promised us for our future so that we can really dream again. Let me remind you of amazing verse here that speaks to us of what God wants to put in our hearts and show us in the spirit from 1 Corinthians chapter two and verse nine. Paul speaking here, and many of you would remember this verse. He says, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the human heart conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. So we can see here that God reveals things to us by his spirit and that if we open we can get the dreams of God in our heart and the wonderful things that he's prepared for our future. However, there's a part that we play and there're things that we need to understand otherwise the dreams from God will never come to pass. John Maxwell in explaining this talks about this. Notice what he says. He says it's sad when people don't have dreams. It's equally sad when they have dreams, but no strategy to reach them, no way to make the climb up to them or build the foundation under them. So we get a dream from the Spirit of God, but now we need a strategy. We need to understand how dreams work. What are the dream shrinkers? What's the cycle, the life cycle of a dream? How do dreams play out? And what's the part we have to play in making the dream real? Otherwise we can get these ideas, and they never amount to anything and eventually we become disillusioned and we think they were just pizza dreams rather than dreams from God for our future. So I wanna to speak to you about six dream shrinkers and then we're gonna have a look at the life cycle of a dream. How does a dream develop and how does it go along until it comes to fulfillment? There's a life cycle that happens to every dream. But first, let's pay attention to six dream shrinkers so that we can be on our guard against them. Because the minute you get a dream, the dream shrinkers come into play and they start to work against the dream. The first thing that happens is adversity comes along. You'll find that when you have a dream, the first thing that happens is things will go wrong and things will go against it. In the life of Joseph, when he got those dreams, he got them twice confirmed. It's like he was on a high. He began to share it with his family. And the next thing is in a pit. Adversity came to shrink the dreams that God had given him twice over. Frank Clark said this. He said, if you can find a path with no obstacles, it probably doesn't lead anywhere. That's true, because usually when you get a dream, there are obstacles, there are contradictions, and adversity comes to destroy the dream. Tyler Perry, the actor, said this. He said, I don't think the dreams die. I think that people give up. I think it gets too hard. I think that's the truth. You have this dream, you're elated, but then the dream shrinker of adversity comes, and you give up. 
COVID-19 has killed the dreams of many people in 2020. Adversity comes and people say, well, it's just about getting through. It's like the roaring 20s. Suddenly there's the Great Depression and dreams go out the window. People give up on the wonderful things that God has put in their heart. It's as though things just don't work, but we've got to go on and we've got to believe despite adversity. You know, during the dot-com boom of the 90s, there was a man by the name of James L. Tucher who founded a web design company called Reset Incorporated. He built this up in the 90s and then sold it for $10 million. Fantastic achievement. But quickly, he began to spend the money. He said he made every mistake in the book, and before he knew it, he was almost at poverty. So with $143 in his bank account, he started all over again, reevaluating his life. Adversity had come and almost completely shrunk his dream. But he began to get back on his feet. He didn't evaluate his, his self-worth by his net worth. And he began to write and he became a very famous blogger today. He's written some 20 books. And today he has multiple companies and has millions and millions of dollars. He didn't allow adversity to kill his dream or to shrink it away. He bounced back and he carried on. The second dream shrinker, which will surprise you, is sin. The minute you get a dream, the enemy will tempt you with sin, tempt you with shortcuts so that you can make the dream possible in your own strength. And a lot of people have lost out on their dreams because they allowed sin to get the better of them. What is sin? It's anything that goes against God's will. You can't have a dream from God, then take shortcuts, steal, lie, defraud, cheat, uh, tell white lies, and then expect the dream to come to fruition. You know, sin came in the form of temptation to Joseph when he was in Potiphar's house and it threatened to shrink the dream, but Joseph resisted sin. Number three, failure. Failure is a dream shrinker. As soon as you begin to pursue your dream, failure comes in. Failure often cripples people's dreams. There's a wonderful book written by Robert Kriegel and Louis Patia, and it's called If It Ain't Broke, Break It. And in the book they say, we don't have a clue as to what people's limits are. All the tests, stopwatches, and finish lines in the world can't measure human potential. When someone is pursuing their dream, they say, they'll go far beyond what seems to be their limitations. You see, failure can be overcome only by dreams. But when you don't have a dream, even small obstacles, small failures will put you out of the game. And sometimes failure comes because God uses failure to redirect you into exactly what he wants you to be in. And so you see the failure as a complete negative, as a complete roadblock, when in fact it's God redirecting you. I was reading about a man who was a famous conductor at one time. And uh, his style was odd, they say. He did strange things. And when conducting soft music, he would crouch on the ground. And then when the music got loud, he would jump in the air and he would shout and wave the stick around. And uh, he, he often did things out of timing. So the musicians kind of watched him, but they really watched the first violinist because otherwise they would completely go off track because he was so emotional in his conducting. Sometimes he would remove pieces of the of the and then when it came to that part, he would conduct them and then he would shout at the orchestra, why aren't you doing it? Forgetting he actually had told them to leave it out. And uh, it was quite frustrating and the orchestras eventually began to talk to him and say to him, you need to stop conducting because you're not getting it right. This is not 
your strength. And finally, he gave up conducting. Ludwig van Beethoven gave up conducting and focused on composing. And from that time on, he was a great success. And so sometimes failure can redirect you, but you've got to keep holding on to your dream because it might be in a slightly different area. Don't allow the dream shrinker to destroy the dream. Allow it to redirect the dream. Number four, disappointment. You know, when you're going along and you've got a dream and it doesn't work out as you think, Disappointment is a powerful emotion and it can cripple your soul. And many a dream has been shrunk. Between the inspiration and the manifestation, there's a lot of frustration that takes place when you're pursuing your dreams. So don't let it shrink you. Robert Kiyosaki, the famous finance author, said this. He said, the size of your success is measured by the strength of your desire, the size of your dream, and how you handle disappointment along the way. Success can never be achieved without going through the route of disappointment. And you will have disappointment when you have a dream and it will threaten to shrink your dream. Hold on to your dream, dream again, and don't allow the dream shrinkers to destroy your dream. Number five, a common dream shrinker, fear. Fear will come in to your heart and you'll say, can I do it? Do I have the ability? This is so big. But you know what? God's on your side and God will do it through you as you trust him. It's not all of you and it's not all of him. It's you partnering with him. He needs a vessel to work through. And if you trust him and you don't allow your fears to kill the dream, God will do great things in your life. And we keep asking, what if? What if? But we mustn't allow the what ifs to rule us because they'll keep us in a rut. John Maxwell says, the greatest mistake we make is living in constant fear that we will make one. Isn't that the truth? Fear. We've got to banish it and embrace faith. Otherwise, the dream can be shrunk. And lastly, number six, everyone can relate to this. The greatest dream shrinker is self-doubt. Self-doubt. It's not the external critics as much as the internal critic of our own heart that begins to bring self-doubt and threaten our dreams. I don't have the right connections. I don't have the right opportunities. I'm not in the right city. I'm not of the right race. I'm not in the right place. All these things come from the inside and threaten our dream, but we've got to hold onto our dreams. The pastor from Atlanta, Andy Stanley, said this. He said, dreaming requires courage, for on the heels of every dream is the demon of doubt. Isn't that the truth? And so we've got to fight self-doubt. We've got to fight fear, disappointment, failure, resist sin and adversity and our dreams will continue to grow. Now let's talk about the life cycle of a dream because every dream goes through certain steps and when you understand them, you can deal with them better. Always remember, your situation is not unique. Most people think, oh, why is this happening to me? No, it's the life cycle of any dreamer. And you've never heard any top person, any successful person tell you this. You'll never hear them say, oh, it wasn't as difficult as I expected. They will always tell you it was much more difficult than I expected. So if you understand the cycle of a dream, you're better prepared to deal with it. We know the shrinkers. Let's look at the life cycle of a dream. Number one, the first place a dream starts is the birth of a dream. That we all know. It's usually exciting, inspiring. We become elated. We almost get filled with the Holy Spirit. We're like, yes, and the dream is born, but it goes through a process. You know, it was the birth of the dream of flight. 
that caused the boys, Wilbur and Orville Wright, to take to the skies. The thought had to first come in, what if? And they began to talk to each other in their little bicycle workshop. That's where the dream was born. And if one of them was negative, flight would probably have been delayed to another time. And you know, when it comes to a, the birth of a dream, it's a lot like a newborn baby. Newborn babies are very vulnerable and very cute, but they need nurture and care. And so when a dream is born, you have to be very careful that it doesn't die at birth. It's got to be nurtured and fed until it grows to maturity and it gets to the place where it can stand, as it were, on its own two feet. Florence Latour wrote a book years back called Dare to Dream. And she gave the following steps on developing a dream. And if you're making notes, you can write them down. I thought I'd give them to you today because we're talking about the beginnings of a dream, the birth of a dream. And she says the first step is dare to dream. In other words, have the audacity to birth that dream and dare to dream. And then she says you've got to prepare the dream. You see, you can't just have this idea floating around. You've got to be prepared and determine how, what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Then thirdly, wear the dream. Put it on. Don't just have it in a compartment of your mind. Your dream is your life. Number four, repair the dream because dreams break down. See, when they're born, they're vulnerable, they're tender. You've got to repair it because otherwise it can die. And then she says, share the dreams. There's some good advice there. Dare, prepare, wear, repair, and share. And I think we need to follow those steps at the birth of a dream. Don't wait. Give birth to your dreams because some people are waiting and waiting and waiting and, and, and life passes by very quickly. George Sheehan, the author and very well-known runner, has written a number of books about running and he says this about life. I love this quote. He says, there are those of us who are always about to live. We are waiting until things change, until there is more time, until the, we are less tired, until we get promotion, until we settle down, until, until, until. It always seems as if there's some major event that must occur in our lives before we begin living. No, don't wait till you begin living. Give birth to your dream and nurture that dream. Number two, the second thing that happens when you have a dream, you've got to nurture it when it's first born. Number two, declaring the dream. You have to speak it, but you have to be careful who you speak it to. The dream needs to be shared because the more you speak it, the more it becomes tangible and clear to you and you clarify it for yourself, but you have to be extremely careful who you share it with. In the Bible in Genesis, Joseph shares his dream with his brothers and his own father. And you'd think his own family, his own blood would join him and celebrate his dream. No, instead they, they're annoyed, they become angry and they actually hate him because of his dream. But you have to declare a dream. It has to be spoken. And I want you to notice the language here in Genesis chapter 37. It says Joseph had a dream and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. Don't be surprised that when you begin to declare the dream that people don't become intimidated, especially those who don't have any dreams of their own. It says, then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter 
in mind. You'd think his own family would be excited, but they were threatened and his father even rebuked him. So be careful who you declare your dreams to, but make sure your dream is declared and spoken about because that's the life cycle of a dream and you can't avoid it. Number three, the third thing is warfare against the dream. You'll find that when you have a dream, it's born, you nurture it, you now declare it, there will be warfare. I spoke about a dream shrinker, adversity, but not is there just adversity, the enemy will war against your dreams. People will war against your dreams. And the first lesson that every dreamer needs to learn is that not everyone will celebrate their dreams. People will often persecute a dream because they don't have a dream of their own and they're threatened by your dreams. You know, when you don't have dreams, you'll have many friends. But the minute you get a large dream, it's like a separator and it can divide people. And always remember this, Satan is a dream stealer. He does not want God to birth in you that by the spirit which will change the world and change your life. And so you have to stand God and you have to war when it comes to your dreams. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this. He said, whatever course you decide upon, there is always someone to tell you that you are wrong. There are always difficulties arising which tempt you to believe that your critics are right. You see, a dream can start in our hearts with wonder and excitement and we just bubble over and we declare it. But we've always got to remember it will be warred against and we need to be prepared for it. And when it's warred against, sometimes what it does is it causes separation because people don't always understand what God is calling you to and what God has put in your heart. Joseph's own family war against him. You'll remember when Abraham had the dream in his heart and God spoke to him and said, take your son up the mountain, a prophetic picture of Jesus being offered for our sins. And Isaac uh, is taken by Abraham up a mountain. The Bible makes it very clear that he said to his servants, you stay here with the donkeys and I and the boy will go there and we'll come back again. People have to be left behind sometimes because otherwise they'll war against the dream. If Abraham had taken those servants up with him and tried to offer Isaac on that altar, they probably would have jumped on him, grabbed him around the neck and said, Are you, have you gone crazy killing your own son? But God had called Abraham to do something and a dream often separates us from people because they don't understand the sacrifice that God has called us to. You'll remember when Joseph was in Potiphar's house, the dream was being warred against Potiphar's wife, now through sin, trying to shrink the dream, says to him, come lie with me, come lie with me, and tries to get him into adultery. Joseph could have thought to himself, this is my opportunity. If I get close to this woman, she finds me attractive. Maybe this is the way God is going to get me into high places. Potiphar's in a, in a very senior place in, in Pharaoh's court. Maybe this is the connection. If I befriend her and I you know, kind of look after her, but instead... There was warfare and he recognized the warfare and he kept his integrity. And when a dream is warred against, you've got to keep your integrity. And that's a key thing when it comes to dreams. Number four, the delay of a dream. You see, it's birthed, then it's declared, then it's warred against, but then there are delays. It always seems to take longer than we ever imagined. We get this idea and then we wonder why it isn't going to happen in the next couple of months, maybe in the next two years. But in the story of Joseph, we discover that the dream was severely delayed. From the time he got the dream to the fulfillment, it was 13 long years. And not only was he falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, 
he ended up in a prison. I don't know about you, but I hate delays. When I'm on a flight and I look up onto that screen in the airport lounge and I see the word delayed next to a flight that I'm about to take, my heart sinks. I hate delays. And you know, there are no apps that can deal with delays. We have to just hang in there, be patient, and, uh, and deal with our attitude. Now, here's the thing. God doesn't hate delays. He uses delays, and they're part of developing the dream. And his timetable is often not like ours. So if maybe you're in the process of holding onto your dream at the moment, and there have been delays, dream again, because delays are part of the life cycle of a dream. If you study the Old Testament, you are reminded about Israel, who on their journey through the wilderness to the dream of the promised land, experienced delays. Now, they didn't just get irritable and complain. No, the Bible says in Exodus, when Moses went up the mountain to commune with God, that delay in the dream got them to turn against Moses, to turn against God, and to turn to a pseudo leader called Aaron, who was immature, and to get him to make them a calf. The greatest danger when your dreams are delayed is for you to turn away from God to alternative beliefs, to alternative methods, to alternative faiths, instead of trusting God's plan and going through the delay by faith. It's the nature of human beings to become highly agitated when dreams are delayed. And even Aaron as a leader can't handle the delay and he's drawn into the idol worship where they create the golden calf. Don't let that be you, especially as a leader, a leader in church, a leader in business. Hold on to your dream and don't allow delays to distract you, to cause you to give into the warfare, to give into sin, and to choose alternatives. You'll remember the story of King Saul in the Old Testament. King Saul was anointed by God, given the dream of being the king and leading the nation, the first king of Israel. What a position, what a momentous moment in history. And he goes to the battlefield as the king and he has to wait for Samuel the prophet to offer the sacrifice on the altar and then they could go and fight the enemies. And the Bible says in the delay, he became intimidated. And I want to read it to you, 1 Samuel chapter 13 and verse 7, because we read about how easily this king and leader is affected by delays. And it says, Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear because the enemy was gathering. It says he waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal and Saul's men began to scatter. So the army looked at the enemy, they became intimidated, they lost sight of the dream of victory and they began to leave one by one and he now as a key leader anointed by God is intimidated because there are delays in the dream. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he had finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. This is what Samuel says to him. You've done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The delay of a dream 
caused him to make rash decisions. Can I encourage you, if you have the dream of marrying the right person, a person who believes God and wants to serve God, and you, you say, I'm holding on to that dream, God's put it in my heart, but they, you know, I'm getting older, there's such a delay. Don't be rash and choose the wrong person. It could jettison your whole destiny because that's what it did to Saul. And we've got to realize that God is in control. I love what this bishop said, Bishop Alfred a. Owens, wonderful man of God and author, he says, God not only orders your steps, he also orders your stops. So delays are sometimes from God. And listen, anytime you're involved in something large, the stakes are high, it'll take time. Think of all the great dreams that people have had. Uh, some of the great buildings in the world that people have built that today we just visit, you know, we go on holiday and we, we just visit them, but they took years and years and there were many delays in their construction. I was thinking about the Leaning Tower of Pisa and uh, it took 199 years to complete. And you know, today people just go and glance at it, oh, it's skew, it's leaning 3.99 degrees, but Pisano, Pisano, he built that to be straight and he persevered for 199 years so that could be an iconic tourist attraction. What about the Vatican in Rome? Constantine the Great ordered that be built in the fourth century and it took 144 years to build. Today it looks like it was just built in six months. No, it takes many years to see a dream to completion and there are many delays, especially when you're building. What about St. Basil's Cathedral in Moscow? Many of us know it by the colorful minarets and the towers. Ivan the Terrible ordered that it be built in 1555 and it took 123 years to complete. But there it stands, the fulfillment of a dream. There will always be delays. And then in 1999, I went to Rio and the statue of Christ the Redeemer standing on top of Corcovado. We were privileged to go up there and visit it. This huge statue uh, manufactured by two sculptors. It took them nine years to complete and it weighs 635 tons. Nothing awesome is created quickly and there will always be delays. It's part of the life cycle of a dream. Hold on to your dream and understand how this works. Number five, the fifth thing in the life cycle of a dream might surprise you, but it's this, the death and burial of a dream. Not only are there delays, sometimes the dream is dead and buried. And you'll remember in Genesis, when Potiphar's wife tried to sleep with Joseph and he pulled away from her, the Bible goes on to record this in Genesis 39, Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Man, from a high to a low, the death and burial of a dream and Joseph was there for a long, long time. It didn't look like there was any possibility that the dream could continue. This was not just a delay, this was the death and burial of a dream. You know, Jacob had a dream. He fell asleep and God revealed himself and Jacob jumped up and made a commitment. But then it took 14 long years working for his father-in-law. His wages was changed 10 times and he was cheated by his father-in-law and it seemed like what God said would happen to him didn't happen. The dream was dead and buried but Joseph and Jacob 
They stayed faithful. They kept their integrity. They kept their eye on the dream and they trusted God and it rose again. Think of the Lord Jesus. He had a dream to see us saved, to see the church born, but they crucified him and the disciples were negative and disappointed and depressed as we've already shared with you. But then he rose again. You see, a dream can be dead and it can be buried, but it can be resurrected by God and he often does it to show that the dream is of him. Abraham had a dream of a son. He held on to that dream, but his body was as good as dead. The dream of him and his wife having a son was dead and buried, but dreams can live. And I want you to notice what it says in Romans chapter four, because here it explains that even when we have a dream and it dies, it fully dies and he's buried, you've still got to continue because it's the life cycle of a dream. Romans chapter four, speaking about Abraham, God says to him, I have made you, this is past tense he's saying here, I have made you a father of many nations. And it says he is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. You'll see the word dead in this passage three times. And, and the Bible's making a point here that dreams die. And it says, since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. So Abraham is dead, and Sarah is dead. But there's this dream that they're holding onto. And not only is there a delay of 25 years, but it seems as though it's dead and buried. And then it says, yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. What's in your heart today? What dream have you had that's been birthed, that you've declared, you've fought the battle and there's been warfare, then there's been delays, and, but now the dream is dead and buried. So let's come to the next one, number six, because this always follows the death and burial of a dream, the resurrection of a dream. God will ensure that your dreams are resurrected. And he did this with Joseph at just the right time in an unexpected way. Pharaoh had a dream and the need for an interpreter was what caused Joseph to be brought out of the prison and for his dream to be resurrected as he's brought right into the presence of this ruler of the land. Let's read it in Genesis chapter 41 and verse 38. Pharaoh speaking here, it says, so Pharaoh asked them, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you from a prisoner in rags, standing before the king and being acknowledged. Then he says to him, you shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders. Now notice, this is not the fulfillment. This is the resurrection. He's being accredited. He's being acknowledged. He's being esteemed and plans are being made. The thing is now beginning to roll again. And that's what God does. So we must never stop short and, and, and the world needs dreamers. That's why Joseph was brought to the fore. The dream needed interpretation. And this world needs you as a believer with dreams in your heart to make it a better place and to glorify God. And you need to trust God that even when your dreams seem dead and buried, that God will make it possible for them to be resurrected. But the last one, number seven, the fulfillment 
of the dream. You see, there's the birth and there's a fulfillment, but there's a life cycle that takes place. And when you understand it, you can build a foundation under it. You can make plans to get through it. You can recognize the dream shrinkers and you can get to the place where the dream is fulfilled. Genesis chapter 42 and verse six, it says, now Joseph was the governor of the land. The thing that he had dreamed about came to pass. The person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. It went through a life cycle, but eventually what he saw in the beginning when that dream was born came to pass. And indeed he had said to them, you will bow down before me. And his father came and also he was the ruler of the land, second in charge to Pharaoh. And what God had put in his heart finally came to be fulfilled. It took a long time. It took 13 years, but it happened. Now Aaron Carter He's the brother of Nick Carter, one of the Backstreet Boys. He's also a rapper. He said this. He said, having a dream, living that dream, losing that dream, dreaming again, and then having that dream come true again is one of the greatest feelings ever because I'm stronger. You see, a dream can be lost. It can die. It can be delayed. But if you hold on, it's the greatest feeling ever because you come through stronger. Jacob thought when he had that dream, gosh, what's happened to my dream? It was delayed. Joseph felt the same way. But remember, Jacob had a dream where God said to him, your descendants are going to be numerous. In the end, he's working for his father-in-law for 14 years. But at the end of the book of Genesis, we read that Jacob's family, when he came to join Joseph in Egypt, there were 70 people in all. So from being on the run all alone, the dream is fulfilled. A great company of people, it says in the book of Genesis. And Joseph, his dream was fulfilled. We've got to hold on to our dreams because there will always be adversity and it will always take time. Now, I know I've been speaking a while, but I want to close by telling you this very wonderful story. I was reading about this lady called Elizabeth Keckley. And she was born a slave in 1818, was treated very badly, experienced a life of hardship and terrible loss. She was also raped by a white man and gave birth to a child. And she was often required to do the work of three people, but she was highly tenacious and she made the most of every opportunity. She taught herself how to read and how to write. And she watched her mother from the age of six uh, sewing clothing. So she became a seamstress and she developed that believing that she had a life ahead of her that could be better. And they moved uh, from the rural area to a place called Petersburg. And when she moved to Petersburg, she discovered that there, the population of Petersburg were 50% black. And she realized that of the 50% black people that were there, even though she was a slave, one third of them were free. And so she began to get the idea that she could be free as well. But not only were they free, she noticed that many of them, including the women, were entrepreneurs, owned property and owned their own businesses. And so she began to hold on to this dream. But soon after moving there, the people that she worked for suffered incredible setbacks. They struggled to stay alive. Hard times came upon the family. And she, through being a seamstress and through sewing dresses for some of the prominent people in the town, managed to keep these people alive. And in fact, she says this, she says, with my needle, I kept bread in the mouths of 17 persons for two years and five months. Amazing woman, a slave woman. 
But she decided, you know what, I could buy my freedom. And she discovered that her freedom would cost her $1,200. And so a lot of the prominent ladies in the town who she was sewing for offered to give her this money and they clubbed together. They offered it as a gift, but she said no. Uh, she used the money to buy her freedom, but she spent five years paying it back. Now, $1,200 doesn't sound like much, but it was a huge amount of money way back in those days. So finally, she uh, had this dream and she paid for her freedom and uh, she began to live a life on her own. And uh, she wrote a book about how she became the exclusive dressmaker and fashion consultant for Mary Todd Lincoln, the wife of President Abraham Lincoln. And uh, she became famous through that. She became a friend of Abraham Lincoln's wife. She went on to write a book called Behind the Scenes, uh, 30 Years a Slave and Four Years in the White House. And she became not only a close friend of uh, Abraham Lincoln's wife, Mary, but she also became a confidant and she was a great strength to her when she lost her child. Also after the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, uh, people came to Mary in the room and said to her, is there anyone that we can ask to come and be with you at this time? And she said, yes, send for Elizabeth Keckley. And the dream of freedom and success and being an entrepreneur and, and getting somewhere in life, at 37 years old, Elizabeth Keckley bought her freedom and became an entrepreneur and sewed dresses for those in the White House. You've got to hold on to your dreams. And I want to encourage you, it's time to dream again. It might seem impossible. The dream goes through a cycle. It can be delayed. It can take time. It can die. But God will resurrect it if you hang in there and it can come to fulfillment. What's God put in your heart today? Has he given you a dream? I want you to get, get God's dreams for your life if you don't have any. If you do have and they seem dormant or you've stopped dreaming, revive that dream. Nurture that dream. And let's begin to see with the eye of the Spirit what the future can look like because God's got great plans for us if we trust Him and we hang in there. I want to pray with you today and I want to pray that God would revive your dreams. But especially today, if you don't know Jesus, you know, you, you can't receive from the Spirit of God unless you know Jesus personally. Because first you invite Christ into your life. He forgives your sins. He becomes your Savior. You, you get what the Bible calls born again. You, you were born first in the flesh, but now you get born in the Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes and begins to speak and reveal Himself. The Bible becomes alive. It's not just a history book. The Spirit and life of the Word comes into your life. And you begin to understand what it means to have a future and a hope. But you first need Jesus and uh, Christ had the dream of your salvation in mind when he hung on the cross. Why don't you make that dream real in your life and then begin to open your life to all the dreams God's got for you. If you'd like to receive him today, then pray with me right now and really have faith and believe. Make him the Lord of your life because that's important. The Bible says you've got, to, you've got to confess him as Lord, declare that he's the Lord of your life. He's in charge of your life and you want him to come. Then he comes in all his glory and makes himself known. Come, let's pray together. Father, today we come to you. We bring our lives to you, bring our souls to you. We ask you to cause us to be born again. Fill us with your presence. Forgive us our sins and begin to speak into our hearts and show us the dreams that you have for us. We declare today that we want all that you have for us. We want your salvation. We want your plans and purposes for our lives. And we want you to give us spirit-filled dreams for our future. 
Father, I pray now that you'd revive the hearts of believers who are watching in every home. Awaken their dreams. Cause them to be resurrected. Cause them to bloom again. And we pray for the fulfillment of those dreams in the future. Help us to have our eyes on you, not just on our problems, not just on the past, and to believe you for better things in our future. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.